Welcome to Subject ACT for another week on your people-powered radio, 2XXFM 98.3. This is Bindi Dobbin, and thanks for joining us. In the studio with me today is Lauren Brown, Volunteer Coordinator for the Woodlands and Wetlands Trust, and Grant Battersby, a member of the Friends of Jerobombra Wetlands Nature Reserve, the Reserve's Advisory Panel, and the Trust Board. Welcome, Lauren and Grant. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Shane. Pleasure to be here. Tell us about the Jerobombra wetlands. What are they? Where are they? And what's it all about? Uh, the Jerobumbra wetlands are tucked away in the corner of Canberra between Fishwick and Campbell, uh, Fishwick and Russell really. We have a fabulous boardwalk there called the Bialagi Boardwalk, which is close to the name of Pialago. So it's in that corner of Canberra, which was known to the Indigenous people as Bialagi, Pialago. You might have seen it on the way to the airport. On the old days, when you drove down Dairy Road, you went straight past it. It's there at the confluence of the Molonglo River and what is now called Jerobombra Creek. That's why it's called Jerobombra Wetlands. It's confusing for some people. We've had people coming to events there who go to that part of Queenbean, known as Jerobombra. We're sorry for the confusion. <laughs> Since the name of the creek was changed from Mill Creek some years ago, that's the way it is. So it's, it's out there, it's tucked away, also right next to the Kingston foreshore. Um, it's, it's now a nature reserve, but we call it a nature reserve, but it's one of the most changed parts of the Canberra landscape close to the city. So it's called a one-of-a-kind ecosystem. What do you mean by that? What can we see there and experience? That's linked into the, all the changes that have taken place there over the years. Ever since they first put sheep out to pasture there in about 1825, white man has been making changes to that area. The sheep came in and changed the vegetation. There was the it was a wonderful place for grazing, etc., etc., because it's constantly watered by the Malonglo and the Jerobombra and so on. It's changed since then. We've come along and it's the site of four or five known dumps for municipal waste, for construction waste, for 80,000 cubic metres of fill from the new Parliament House site. So that was put in place and then it was declared a nature reserve. The other big change is, of course, the creation and filling of Lake Burley Griffin because that caused the water to back up and make them into permanent waterways rather than perennial waterways, which sometimes dried up to little chains of ponds. So when did the wetlands actually come into being the wetlands? As a nature reserve, 1990. Right, only recently. And it was the result mostly of the advocacy from the birdwatching community of Canberra because by 1990, even from that change in 1973 when the lake was created, it attracted bird life from all over the area because it provided a permanent source of water during periods of drought and so on. And it's next to the Fishwick Sewerage Farm. Sewerage farms are great bird watching places. So what can we do there, Lauren? So I noticed the other day there were some little kids having a wonderful time drawing birds and all sorts of things. But what can we do there? And what, what's on coming up for the next month? 
Yeah, so the kids you would have seen would have been part of our Tales and Trails program. It's very popular out at Jerobombra. Very happy. Yeah, so that, that's for kids sort of under five. That's how, um, you know, during school hours when the other kids are at school, mums bring the young ones along. They sing songs with our rangers. They pick up leaves and do craft and all that sort of thing, as well as learning a little bit along the way about the wetlands. We do bird watching tours bat-watching tours, spider tours, all sorts wow. of things. There's actually a, quite a lot going on out there. So what sort of birds can we see out there? There's, I read something about the Latham snape, which almost sounded political to me. <laughs> Latham snipe, yes. Snipe, Latham snipe. Well, up, well before the former uh, political leader of the Labor Party and his subsequent uh, manifestations. No, it, the Latham snipe is a fascinating bird. It's one of those birds that spends its summer in the Northern Hemisphere and then its summer in the Southern Hemisphere. They fly thousands of kilometres, non-stop. Uh, they're a little bird, somewhere between 150 and 200 grams, and Jerobromba uh, Wetlands is becoming one of the key centres for research into this rather cryptic little bird. And when does it, when does it migrate? It starts to arrive in September, October, and we normally see the last of them by April. And um, how many would you see, Grant? The numbers went up last year, which is very good. There's, they're in, are very much regarded as vulnerable, and so we have to keep a track. We'd like to keep track of them because if the numbers go above a certain level, about 20, then the area become, falls within the uh, scope of some Commonwealth legislation on protecting environment. We had over 30 recorded there last year, which is well above that trigger level for invoking the protections of the Commonwealth legislation that we have to take into account. And no idea really why the numbers increased last year. Not really, given that it was a very wet year and they would have had other places to go to. They might not have otherwise gone to. We conduct programs there, well, we try to, but they were interfered with by COVID restrictions on travel by one of our key researchers from Victoria. And we net them and then put tracking devices on them and ban them and all the usual things that you do and then try and find out what they do. I had a client in the UAE which was, uh, they had the Hubara Bustard, which is the bird that falconers hunt and there's a lot around captive breeding now so it's completely changed about falconry and things like that but they also track them across their migratory uh, travels through Pakistan or Uzbekistan or whatever. It's really quite fascinating mm. how they end mm. up on the other side of the world. Yeah, no, they're, they're, I don't know, Lauren, would you say you've worked with them? They're quite a charismatic little bird, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. They've got lovely long uh, beaks. Um, they're quite distinct looking and if people want to have a look, we, there is a website Latham Snipe Project. Right, so linked to, the, to your website? Yeah, no, Jerobombra. it's separate, run by a researcher at... The Federation University. Federation University, yeah. So if you go to the Latham Snipe Project, you can see the couple of birds that do get tracked. You can see sometimes them ending up in Papua New Guinea. They, they leave us and then we've tracked them staying for a few days or so in other okay, wetlands along, go heading north, getting into Papua New Guinea and then reappearing in Hokkaido or Sakhalin or somewhere up there, way up there. So 
So would I see them if I was just on one of your trails? If or would I need... No, I'd have to be an ornithologist or something, really. They're cryptic little creatures. <laughs> That's what we mean for hard to spot. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think you'd notice them if you saw them. And we've got a lot of people that um, photograph out there and put them up on Insta and share them with us and stuff. So once you've seen them... You probably you might you might be able to recognise them. What other species of birds do you find in the wetlands? There's a wide range of birds within the wetlands nature reserve because we have both the wetland and the woodland varieties there. And at our sister reserve out at Mulligan's Flat, they have the same uh, range because they do have wetlands, smaller wetlands out there, but a much greater variety of the woodland species. So I can't give you all of the uh, names of them, but we have grebes, pelicans, the swans, the cormorants, the darters, herons, ibis, spoonbills, different sorts of waterfowl, raptors. That's what the eagles and the harriers and the other birds that kill other birds, rails and water hens that love the reeds and the other environment that we're offered out there, and waders. We talked about the Latham snipe before. I think that would probably be called a wader because it works its way along the edge of through the mud. And gulls and terns drift in. Well, the silver gulls all over Canberra. Pigeons, parrots, pipits, warblers, wrens and thornbills finches, orioles, magpies and ravens. So when's the best time to view? It probably sounds like it'd be good to do a tour on this. It's it's a great time. It's a great place to do a tour with the specialist guides who help identify them. You know, the Latham snipe is not easy to see until you use, learn what to look for, for example. The best time, of course, is just around dawn, but not everybody's uh, keen to get out at that stage. But any time of year. Spring and autumn are probably the best because you've got different species moving through. And so the app will tell us what to look for and describe in detail. Yeah, the app's great. And there's also hides around oh. uh, Kelly's. They have interpretive posters as well, which I definitely mm. refer to when I'm there because I'm still learning. So tell me about your tours and trails. I noticed there seem to be sort of little trails going off in all directions. Oh, so could yeah. I just um, go out myself or I can actually book a tour or... One of the new things we've just done out at Jera is to develop a, a walking trail app. I think this will help people because Jera is a little bit of a hidden gem. So it's a free app. It'll be launched really soon, maybe in the next week. Oh, fantastic. And it will take you on three trails. So it'll take you on a guided tour around Kelly's Swamp, which is part of um, the boardwalk goes around there Um, it'll take you out through uh, the woodlands to learn all about the water sources at the wetlands and it'll take you up to something pretty unknown call it our trenches uh, trail tour. I didn't see this until I just read about it I missed it. Yeah yeah so um, yeah we've got it's a guided tour you go along and you stop at points and listen to a guide um, interpreting the area around you. So tell me about the trenches. Right. Uh, The trenches are a a remnant, it's a physical remnant of the First World War in Canberra. They realised that their nature of war in 1915-16 was going to be different to what they'd trained for. So from the Royal Military College, they realised they had to train their officers to prepare for it. So they built a trench 
warfare system. It's the trench and mine, and, uh, mine uh, warfare training system. Then the people who were trained there went out to similar sites in the capital cities of Australia. But this is the first one. We rediscovered it only about five or six years ago. One of the historians looking at the aerial photographs noted this regular pattern of peculiar colours in the soil and wondered what it was. Went back to the archives, found references to this uh, training school and started digging. The ANU's been out there with their um, ground penetrating radar. We've excavated a few of them, but that's not going to work. They've been filled in over the years for a reason. The flood waters coming down the Malonglo will fill them with mud. The farmers didn't like it when their cows fell into the trenches. What we've done is remarked the positions of the trenches and in one place built a series of walls to give you the feeling of being down in a trench. So you are, the walls are as high as the trench was deep, it's as narrow as the trenches were, it's got uh, firing lines, etc, etc. So there are brochures for it and we do have some tours, especially on our uh, World Wetlands Day. And this will be page. on the app, I hope, yes, as Yeah, well. this is part of the app. So, And there is signage along there as well. Um, so it's, yeah. It's, it's exciting, it's, isn't it? It's really um, hidden, yeah. So, Lauren, you are volunteer coordinator. How many volunteers do you have? Well, so I'm volunteer coordinator for the Trust. Yes. So that's both sites, um, Jerrabumbra Wetlands and Mulligan's Flat. And we've got over 300 volunteers, which is fantastic. Huge um, number. I think we offer a huge variety of activities too, so um, it's gaining popularity. And do you train your volunteers? What happens when we say, I want to volunteer with you? What what happens next? Yeah, so um, look, we really, we're happy for anyone to come and volunteer with us. You don't have to have any particular skills. Um, Sometimes it might help uh, for particular programs. Um, We've really got something for everyone. We've got Um, administrative stuff you can do at home looking at camera trap images and IDing animals for us um, which was wonderful during COVID actually that was something our volunteers were able to really help with Um, we've got monitoring activities and the land care based activities are run uh, through our partners ACT parks and that's called the park care program This is Subject ACT and I'm speaking with Grant Battersby and Lauren Brown from the Woodlands and Wetlands Trust. We've been talking about the Latham Snipe Project and all of the flora and fauna that you can see when you actually go and walk out on the trails at the Jerobombra Wetlands and Mulligan's Flat. So Grant, who runs the wetlands? I notice that it's, it's a trust and it's also the, the ACT government. How does it work? It's, it's a unique partnership. Uh, between the ACT government, the Woodlands and Wetlands Trust. It was set up some years ago when John Stanhope was the Chief Minister. People could see in general that these two areas were right on the edge of close to where people lived and where more and more people would be living. So there'd be greater pressure on them from people wanting to use them for recreation as well as their own interest in scientific study and birds and, and, and so on. So they created this partnership and it we work uh, very closely ultimately it's public land and we have to pre- ensure that we're 
operating in a manner which preserved public trust in the way that we are operating there. The ACT government put a lot of money in a few years ago, and special because the wetlands had become quite run down. They were overwhelmed with weeds. There were hardly any decent trails in there. Um, and we realised that the, the government realised that something needed to be done, so some extra money went in there. The trust was engaged, and w- together we, it's been improved a great deal. So it's, those people who haven't been in Canberra or for years are quite surprised about how much easier it is and how much more interesting it is to visit these days. So tell me about Mulligan's Flat. I didn't know about Mulligan's Flat, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I know I've been out of the country for a long time, but I don't think I knew about it. That's okay. A lot of Canberrans don't know about it. Um, and look, it, it is another hidden gem. And I guess that's why we work so beautifully with Jerobomba Wetlands. The biggest uh, difference between Mulligan's Flat and Jerobomba Wetlands is Mulligan's Flat has a predator-proof fence all the way around. Jera is a nature reserve, um, so there's still the presence of foxes. That's a point of difference. Yeah, big point of difference. Very big, yeah. <laughs> so the partnership is not only with the ACT government, and, but also with a, the ANU at Mulligan's Flat. So jointly, they've been able to run some fascinating species reintroduction programs there. Once you're able to keep the foxes, cats and rabbits out, you can bring back the animals that were driven to extinction uh, with the arrival of white settlers. So we've got the eastern betong. The eastern betong and the eastern quoll, a very small mouse called the New Holland mouse. And this when you bush say don't sorry, you? very small, what do you mean? Okay, well, it, he is the size of a normal house mouse, um, but they are native. So they have, there's benefits for having them in the sanctuary, a bit unlike the regular old house mouse. And yes, the other animal that's fascinating is the bushstone curlew. And what's a curlew? I haven't heard it, but I've, I'm told that it has the, one of the most blood-curdling cries <laughs> in the middle of the night. People Can you give up. an example? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I can give an example, but if any of your listeners have lived in North Queensland or actually probably... Um, an imitation? From, oh, <laughs> I really can't actually think of it now you've put me on the spot. But they, some people refer to them as a murder bird. It Pe- is people a People have been known to ring the police and, and report a, a crime in progress. Yeah, so I grew up in Queensland, so um, absolutely remember their calls as a little girl being a bit scary. I think that's why you're not giving us a demonstration. <laughs> Maybe. But in the sanctuary, I have been lucky um, to see them at night time on Twilight Tours and to hear them. And the residents of Ford uh, also hear them and they actually fly out of the sanctuary at night to feed which is sort of our goal, I guess, with the sanctuary is that our animals do start to, you know, with fox control and and other things that the ANU are doing, perhaps that animals will start to live back locally. So you're building a new visitor centre there, is that right? We are. We're so excited. It's due to open around September, October, and I think it will provide, yeah, a a new way of, um, you know, communicating with people about our goals, the infrastructure, there'll be a cafe, there'll be animals to see. The renderings look amazing. Yeah, no, it's 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 a very exciting design. Going to be a great new facility for Canberra. So that's all under the trust. That's all run by the trust, yes. Mulligan's Flat 
is a type of habitat called box gum grassy woodland that is an endangered ecological community. Some of your listeners may know some of the facts and figures about these sorts of woodlands, which is 95% of them have been cleared since European settlement. Mulligan's Flat, the predator-proof fence, goes around 1,200 hectares. And within that is a very large population of this box gum grassy woodland. And the fascinating thing about box gum grassy woodlands is that they are quite complex. They provide a range of layers from thick forests down through the more open woodlands into the grassy areas. So that is, it's all working towards biodiversity and you'd really be amazed at the sorts of animals and things you can see when walking in Mulligan's Flat. So did you give us an idea of, did you mention there's quolls are there? Yeah, the quolls. The quolls are there, but many of our um, animals are nocturnal. So that's why we offer twilight tours. Um, and that's where you'll get to see the betongs and the quolls mostly. Also the bushstone curlews. Um, betongs look quite cute. They're super cute, but they're quite flitty. So when you're on a tour, you might just see them shooting off in all directions. And how many would you have? Up? Oh, we, we think the betong population is around 150 at the moment. And is that a healthy number? That's a, that's a healthy number. Yeah, we're happy yeah. with that. Yeah. With the reintroduction of these species... We're seeing the impact that those little burrowing animals have on improving the texture, the quality of the soil. So this is one part where you can see increasingly what the place was like before we came along and messed it up in many ways. And it's so exciting because you're so excited, you two, and I think that really gives you enthusiasm. What are, you're right yeah. there on the foreshore, so such great vision from John Stanhope to yeah. have thought about this. And Gungalam, well, it's such a new, well, probably not for everybody else, but a new suburb and, and putting mm. it in people's, you know, sort of memory. Well, I, I think that one of the things is that we have school holiday programs, which is bringing uh, at Mulligan's Flat as well yeah, as... Yeah, yes. Do you do sites. much with schools? You have schools programs? Yes, Obviously, last year has um, that was a big decline, but they're just starting up again. So, and a lot of the schools do um, stuff during the daytime. So, potentially not always seeing the nocturnal animals, but um, there's a lot to learn on both sides. It'd be great to be on the curricula. I would have thought such a useful tool. It is. It it, it gives you access to the whole wide range of things of you know water quality, you know, sort of um, conservation of nature and general. Introduction to scientific procedures, etc. When can we visit? What are the hours and what's the cost? Well, both sites are free. Both oh, wow. sites are open all day, every day, unless there's some sort of uh, rain, bush, bushfire, you know, bush bushfire control or something. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, our total fire bans, obviously. One of the things that we noticed, Shane, last year during lockdown, and one of the things that is valuable about Mulligan's Flat and Jarrabomba wetlands is that they provide people with access to nature. Mm. And in some of the more densely settled areas like Kingston Foreshores, like parts of Gungarland, people miss that connection with nature. Absolutely. And all the research shows just how good it is for your physical and mental health to get out. Certainly during COVID lockdown, the numbers of people visiting soared, rocketed. There yeah. were the car parks were full, there was overflow parking, family groups walking just around. Just wanting to get out and about. Just it's a place where you can get out and about. Jerobombra is not a um, sanctuary in the way that Mulligan's Flat. It's open to the world. It's on the one of the major cycle route around the lake. There's 
hundreds of people pass through. It's great, it's interesting, and you'll have a quick glance left and right up the creek, but unless you stop and mm. look at wouldn't it, you wouldn't appreciate mm. what's there. There are hides not only around uh, Kelly Swamp, there are hides looking out over other parts of Jerobumbra Creek and just sitting watching for a while and letting the birds emerge into your vision. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a little oasis of calm. It is an oasis in the middle of Canberra. It's extraordinary. I notice we have Bush Tucker Day coming up and there's some storytellers and, and looks fantastic. It looks as though it's open for everybody. Yeah, we do. That's with Dani Gilbert, a uh, Wiradjuri woman who uh, works with us. So, so Enjoy a taste of Bush Tucker straight from the fire and head out to walk to learn about Indigenous connections to country. Barney's great, so yeah. Oh, it looks fantastic. These are really interesting. And also it says be part of um, citizen science. What do you mean by that? We have a lot going on with citizen science. That's probably my biggest passion, actually. And I guess it's, um, yeah, one of the things the volunteers obviously help most with. It can be people putting things on Canberra Nature Map or it can be people helping the trust directly. We've got volunteers helping us to monitor wallets bees we've got volunteers helping us with turtle patrol which grant Tur- passion. there, there, there yeah. are two there are two types of turtle patrol because mulligan's flat being a sanctuary and a predator proof fence it also means it's a turtle proof fence the fence goes across the normal paths that the turtles would follow because there are wetlands and dams within the, the reserve and they would be living somewhere and want to get to the water and there are some wonderful volunteers at Mulligan's Flat who go along the fence during the key periods when the turtles are moving for breeding and nesting and pick them up and put them onto the side of the fence where they want to go. Otherwise, the poor animals will sit there. And Can't get over. Well, on a hot day, they'll die. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's a that's a that's a wonderful program. We have a Jerobombra. The fences hardly stop anything, um, but we have a different program of trying to monitor the nesting of the eastern long-necked turtle, which is the predominant uh, type of turtle we have out there, because of the problem of fox predation. In the Murray-Darling Basin, well over 90% of turtle nests are predated, so all the eggs are eaten. So the population, the turtles live a long time, but with this level of predation, we may suddenly wake up one day and find there are no more baby turtles. What we do is get a group of volunteers and at the right time of year, which is from early November through to late November, we go out and look for turtles digging their nests. And as soon as they finish their nest digging, we put a wire mesh over it and that keeps the foxes away. I've been out there watching a turtle digging its nest and turn my torch around and there's a fox on the left-hand side and a fox on the right-hand side. And as soon as the turtle's gone off, um, they'll be in there. And these volunteers are amazing because they can, turtles can take five or six hours to <laughs> dig a nest and you can be sitting out in That's the rain. That's a patient volunteer. Do you have any sponsors? Yeah, SG Fleet um, sponsor our vehicles for the trust. That's been a great help. Volunteers and our ecologists are often out in uh, Mulligan's Flat in particular. Although it is called Mulligan's Flat, there's some very hilly four-wheel drive areas. So, um, yeah, they sponsor some four-wheel drives for us, which gives us access. Um, we can carry all the traps and things like that. 
like that when we're doing wildlife monitoring. Um, for anyone that doesn't know Mulligan's Flat or Jerobomba to hop on to a tour, I think the most exciting product we have is the Twilight Tours. I'm, I'm it agree. is, yeah, that's great. yeah it, I can't explain it. It's two hours out in the sanctuary with a really experienced guide, and you'll learn all about the research going on there to restore the sanctuary. You're almost guaranteed to always see something special as well. Thank you very much, Lauren Brown and Grant Battersby. Thank you. You're welcome. 